That's where these sermons are going to come from. I'm going to call it conversion culture. Conversion culture. There are those in our culture today. There has been a new term that has been coined in our culture today called cancel culture. Have you heard that term? Maybe you have. If you haven't heard the term cancel culture, you have certainly heard of the agenda of cancel culture. There are those who want to eliminate anybody, anything, any school of thinking that goes against what they are saying is right or wrong or rubs them the wrong way or if it's not part of their political agenda, they just want to cancel it out. They want to get rid of it. And so we see monuments that are being torn down. We see people who are getting harassed at restaurants, people getting up in their faces and and saying things. People that are trying to erase history. Now, everything that has happened in our history has not been godly and has not been right. Amen? What we need to do is understand what has happened and learn from it and turn to God. But there's this cancel culture that is in the land. It's a practice of withdrawing support or canceling companies even, public figures, citizens, history, cancel culture. I propose to us this morning that what we truly need is a conversion culture. You say, Pastor, what do you mean by conversion culture? Well, a conversion is changing from one form to another form. Conversion is changing from one belief to another belief. And what we desperately need today in the United States of America and all around the world is for men and women, boys and girls to experience a dynamic conversion to Christ. You believe that? Say amen this morning. We need a divine conversion culture. Another part of conversion is changing from one behavior to another behavior. How many knows that when we find Christ, our lifestyle will change? We need a conversion culture. We need a change that brings us back to God. A change that brings our world, our society, and even some of the church world back to a biblical world view. We need a conversion culture where we once again recognize, and watch this, there is righteousness and righteous, holy living, but there's also sin and things that offend God. Do you still believe there is a right and there is a wrong? But those lines more and more are being blurred. We need a conversion culture to realize Christianity is not a progressive Christianity. Christianity has been established by Christ himself and the teachings of Christ are not up for debate. They are not up for amending. And they're certainly not up to be compromised. In a nutshell, we need to get back to God. We need to get back to God in a hurry. Let me say that one more time. We need to get back to God and we need to get back to God in a hurry. So this morning, we're gonna look at the church of Ephesus that Paul, excuse me, that, that John wrote to under the inspiration of Jesus Christ. 
You see, I don't have the privilege this morning to preach to the world at large, but I do have the assignment and honor today to preach to our beautiful local congregation. And what I want to say to us and what I believe the revelation here shows us is that God's moving, God's reviving, God's converting, God's bringing us back to where we need to be always begins with God's people. Somebody say me. Somebody say me, me, me. (laughs) It starts with us. It starts with God's people. You see, I could easily spend the next 30 minutes of of preaching, railing and ranting against the world out there and railing and ranting about things that are happening in our world. But judgment must begin at the house of God. What does it say in Chronicles that we've, we've seen going around Facebook so much and everybody's been quoting about the plague that comes upon the land and then it says, if my my people, my people. See, I've already offended three people there already. <laughs> no. <laughs> they, have to, they have to get ready for children's church. I'm just joking. Oh, I'll pay for that one, won't I? I'm, <laughs> I was shaking her head. I'll pay for that one. Well, I better get back to preaching that. <laughs> I don't know what happens to me sometimes. I just don't know. (laughs) But in this series, we see the revelation of Jesus Christ to the seven churches that are in Asia Minor. And those seven churches were real existing churches operating during that day and during that time. But the message to each of those individual churches, amazingly, and it's amazing because God works this way, We can take and learn from what the message to each of those churches were and we can take it today. And it becomes very prophetic. It becomes very impactful into our lives today. This church at Ephesus, for example, was in a city that very much resembles the culture and the society that we live today. There was a huge financial focus. There was huge trade Going on, They were near the sea and they had a land trade route and there was all this financial focus. And if you look at our society, everything seems to rise and fall on the almighty dollar bill, doesn't it? But what happens when the almighty dollar bill falls instead of rises? We better have a hope in Christ, hadn't we? There was a strong, sensual, sexual emphasis in this place called Ephesus. Has our society not become obsessed with sexual immorality and sexual sin? You cannot even watch commercials without seeing something provocative. Amen. And I asked this question as I looked through my notes again last night. I wrote it down in ink pen beside of it. I said, where does it stop? We have people who want to cancel everything else, but when it comes to sexual perversion, let it go. Let it happen. And it has started by little incremental steps until now. You maybe have seen the previews. There's this documentary coming out on Netflix of 11 and 12-year-old girls who are doing sexual type movements. 
and being sexualized. And nobody seems to be condemning it or speaking out against it. Where does it stop? We are living in sinful times. Evil, wicked, resistant to Christians. That was how it was in Ephesus. That's how it is today. There is an antichrist spirit, attitude, whatever you want to call it, prevalent in the world today. I can tell you that I'm a Buddhist and you get respect. Oh, bless you, brother. That's wonderful. You're following your convictions. I can say I'm Muslim and I pray three times a day and I'm going to take my prayer rug to work and I'm going to take three breaks every day so I can pray. Oh, bless you. That's your religion. But as soon as we begin to name the name of Christ, there is resistance There is opposition, there is an antichrist attitude prevalent in the world today. But Paul was right in the middle of all of that at Ephesus. And yet he paused at one point and said, there's a great opportunity here. He said, there are great adversaries, but there's a great opportunity here. And Paul stayed at Ephesus two or three years and he planted a church. And out of that church came many more churches throughout Asia Minor. And I tell us this morning, as Paul said about Ephesus, you and I have some of the greatest opportunities ever to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are more people now than ever that don't know. There are more people now than ever that need hope. In a few months, we're going to go into an emphasis here. We're going to end the year, November and December, and we're going to call it two months of hope. The entire pastoral team is going to be involved. You're going to hear different one of them preach on different Sundays. We're going to have spotlight different departments within the church from the children to the music to the seasoned saints. It's going to be an awesome two months. But more than even all of that, God is dealing with me and helping me and showing me some things. I want us during those two months of time to make sure these communities around us know that there is still hope in Jesus Christ. If you believe that, say amen this morning. There is still hope in Christ and we are going to sow those seeds of hope. So here we see the church at Ephesus. And Christ begins to speak. How many knows that Christ is still active in the world today? John had seen him ascend to heaven. And then John had been faithful for many more decades in the ministry, even planting that or or pastoring that church after Paul had planted it. Now John is on the Isle of Patmos. John is exiled. He's basically a prisoner in an, on an island because he had been preaching the gospel. But he found out that Christ had not forgotten him and that Christ had not forgotten the churches and Christ was still active. Revelation 1.8. Here's what Jesus said. He said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Now, if somebody appears to me and begins to speak that way, they have my attention. He really is the first and the last. He is the beginning. He is the ending. But if that didn't get John's attention, the fact that he turned around when he heard this voice, that was as loud as a trumpet. He turned around and he saw Christ. He saw the one in the midst of seven golden candlesticks or seven golden lampstands. 
So he turns around. He sees Christ in the midst of these seven golden candlesticks. What were those candlesticks? What were they representing? They were representing the churches. And I want to remind us here at Nortonsville, I want to remind every church that preaches Christ that he is still in the midst. He is still with us. He has not forgotten us. And when John looked at him as Christ was speaking, he saw one who was as if the son of man looked and said, as like the son of man, because he was, he was Christ. He was clothed with a garment down to his feet. His head and hair were white as wool, looked like snow. His eyes were a flaming fire. His feet were like fine brass. His voice sounded like many waters. In his right hand, he had the seven stars and was showing that he was in charge of the seven pastors and the seven churches. He has all power and all authority. Out of his mouth came a sword like a two-edged Sword is symbolic of the powerful word of God. And his countenance was like the sun shining. Now, if that wouldn't have gotten your attention, I don't know what would. But there he was and Christ began to speak. Christ not only speaks, but he still knows. He knows. Christ knows us as individuals. He knows us as families. He knows this as this beautiful body of believers here. Not only does he know, Christ cares. Do you know he still cares? Do you know he cares about you? And the more that I've studied these three chapters and the more that I've thought and prayed and worked on these sermons and etc., the more I realize he knows and he cares very much about local believers assembled together as local churches. This is God's design for us to come together and work and love together. And he cares about churches He cared so much to do this. Look at Revelation 2, 1 through 3. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write these things, says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands or candlesticks. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say that they are apostles and are not. You found them liars And have persevered and have patience and have labored for my namesake and have not become weary. Now, as a former teacher, a former educator myself, I would say it this way. They got a pretty good report card right there. Right there, it looks like they got straight A's, didn't it? I broke it down, or actually a commentary broke it down into three words. that, That they were determined, they were disciplined, and they were discerning. They were determined, they were disciplined, and they were discerning. Sounds like a pretty amazing church. Sounds like a pretty awesome congregation. They were determined to do what was right. They were determined to work for God. They were disciplined. They they were diligent with it. They stayed with it. They stuck with it. They were discerning. There had been apostles and people who had come through that had been teaching false doctrine, who were false teachers and false prophets, and they were discerning and they knew enough. And I say this morning to us, now more than ever, we need discernment. Hear me this morning as church, we need Holy Spirit discernment. Because more and more there are doctrines, there are, the Bible calls them winds of doctrine that are going around and they're deceiving people. I ask us today, do we know the word of God? Can I say that one more time? Do we know the word of God? 
This isn't in my notes, but let me throw it out here with love and then we'll move on. If there's something we want to learn and know, we learn it and we know it. If I wanted to learn to work on a car, I would put YouTube videos on. I'd find some of you that know how to work on cars. And if I really wanted to learn it, I would learn it. Don't want to. (laughs) But if there's something we want to know, we want to learn, if we get a new job, what do we do? We buckle down and we learn what we need to learn, don't we? It should be no less with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now more than ever, we have more tools, more resources, more opportunity to learn this book, to know this book, to understand this book. And now more than ever, as the church, we need to be diligent in learning God's word. Let me encourage you, take it one step at a time. Is that all right? Wherever you are at, you say, well, according to the word of God, I'm a a D minus student. All right? We'll start there at D minus and work yourself up to a D plus. Is that all right? God's not going to expect you to go from D minus to A overnight. Work step by step, right where you are. God will help you. Do we know the word of God? Are we discerning of the word of God? And are we following the leading of the Holy Spirit? Because in these last days, so important that we understand what God's word says. So important we understand what's happening in our world and see it from a biblical standpoint. We must be discerning. So we see that Christ still knows, but Christ still loves. Somebody say that word love. Love. Christ still loves. Look at Revelation 2, 4, and 5. It said, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Such a powerful little verse right there. They had gotten a perfect report card. A, 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 A. If that were my report card, it would be lunch, A plus, recess, A plus, A plus, A plus, A plus. But then they got down to love, not so good. Not an A in love. I don't even know if they got a passing score in love. He said, nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. It was a sobering thought to me that they had become this large and proud and busy and impactful church. But they had lost their real love for God and each other. And it sobered me a little bit and I thought about our wonderful church. I thought of all the great things that God had done all the great people that God has brought to here over the generations and all the great things I believe that are going to happen and the busyness of our church and the ministry of our church. And when I read about this church, when it said that they were impactful to each other and they were impactful to, to the community and I thought of our church and it made me proud. But then I thought, God, help us not to ever lose our first love. Let me say that one more time with love. God, help us not to ever lose our first love. Everything that we do as this wonderful body of believers, may we be motivated out of love for God and love for each other. May we remember our first 
love, the way we remember Christ, this is His church. Everything we do, everything we schedule, everything that goes on the calendar, every time we come in here on Sunday mornings, let it be because we love Him. And let our hearts and our minds be rekindled to our first love. Do you remember when you first came to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Do you remember that feeling? Do you remember that peace, that joy, that excitement, that freshness? And I believe that here in the Revelation, Jesus was saying to John, help them go back to that time. Help them to remember that relationship with Christ. I remember my first love, if you will, my wife. When we first started dating, I was taking her on those expensive dates to the Dairy Queen, the McDonald's dollar menu. (laughs) Got to stay in a hotel my aunt paid for when we had our honeymoon. Any coupons I might have, I better get off that. I've already gotten in trouble once. But I remember that first love. I remember picking her up at their little house and getting in my little car. And it didn't matter that we didn't really have much to go to or much to do or, but it was a spending time with each other. And sometimes we would just pull in her driveway and we would just sit there for hours and just talk to each other. We might've smooched a little bit. But talk and just enjoy being together. Well, I got to be honest, you know. (laughs) But just sit there in her driveway. And some of our friends knew our pattern. It could be dark and and 10, 11 o'clock at night sitting there in her driveway, just sitting there together, talking, enjoying being together. And some of them would go up the valley. We lived in a valley road and they'd beep. I don't think they could see us, but they saw the car there and they knew enough about us that we were just sitting there in the car. But it was our first love. Of course, you get married and you have that honeymoon period. And and then sometimes the trials of life and the busyness, and we don't always have that feeling and we don't always have that. But there's times in our marriages when we just got to go back to that first love and remember how we love each other. Is that all right this morning? And I believe he's saying here in Revelation, remember those times when you first came to know Christ. Remember that times when you were first converted to him and the sweetness and the wonderful feeling and the wonderful thought that your sins had been forgiven in that close relationship. And if we aren't careful, the cares of this life will creep in and the the busyness of this life or or somebody will hurt our feelings or any number of things and we move away from Christ. Oh, I'm not saying that we've backslidden necessarily or we're in rebellion, but we just kind of move away and we just kind of close up. But I'm here to tell us this morning, let's return to our first love. Hallelujah. Let's remember Jesus, our first love. Come back to him. That's the essence of the message that John the Revelator wrote down, but it came from Christ. 
here in the book of Revelation. And I think it's a strong and a powerful message to you and I this morning. Because I love this church. I love what we do here. I love our busyness. I love our activities. I love it. But at the root of all of it, let us never forget our first love. And let that sweetness come back into our hearts and our minds. He loves us. I have some more written down in the notes there, but it just seems like a good time right here to, why don't we just bow our heads before the Lord right now? Christ still loves, hallelujah. Why don't you just pray right where you're at? Take a little time this morning. I feel the sweetness of the Holy Spirit. God, honor your word today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let us know that this word is for us this morning. Bless your people, God, as we pray to you today. Hallelujah. As we honor you this morning. And God, renew us, refresh us, bring us back to that time of our first love. God, let everything we do be motivated by love for you and love for others and that they will know we are Christians by our love. Oh, as you're continuing to pray and as you're continuing to search your heart and your life this morning, continue please to do that. But while you're doing that, I just wanna say if there's any here this morning and the Holy Spirit is touching your heart and the Holy Spirit is drawing you and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord, personal Savior, and you feel that drawing, then I urge you today to say, Jesus, come into my heart, forgive my sins, start a relationship with him. That's what I'm preaching about this morning is we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. The most important relationship, the first priority relationship in our lives. Come to know him today. I want to tell you this altar is open if you want to come and be saved and you want me to pray with you or you want to kneel down. The altar is open for you to do that. But the invitation is also extended if you want to just ask him to come in your heart right where you are and to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and to be saved. You can do it right where you are as well. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you don't mind, just linger with me just a few more moments before they sing. I feel the just a sweet presence of the Lord right now. And I don't know who he's dealing with or talking to or stirring, but maybe many of us, maybe all of us, but God have your way in this house this morning. Draw us closer to you this morning. You say, pastor, I I feel like I'm cold and indifferent. I'm just not where I once was in my relationship with Jesus. I want to tell you, he loves you so much that he sent this message just for you today. Just for you this morning. He loved the church at Ephesus so much that he sent this message to them.
And what this message is, is not a message of condemnation. It's not a message that he wanted to rake them over the coals. It wasn't a message that he wanted to put them down. But it was an invitation for them to come back to closeness with him. And I tell you this morning, the invitation stands for every single one of us today to draw closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you this morning, God. We praise you. We bless you. Hallelujah to your wonderful name. Thank you, Lord. Draw us nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Consecrate me now in thy presence, Lord. We thank you this morning. We praise you. Bless your people. Revive us again. Draw us closer to you, Lord. Let our relationship with you, God, be sweet and fresh. And let us return to our first love. And they will know that we are Christians by our love, by our love. In Christ's name. They're going to sing for us, but continue to pray.